morning, everyone. <clears throat> it is so great to be here with you this wonderful, wonderful morning here as we get to just come together to worship uh, the Lord. And again, I want to welcome everybody uh, just that is online with us as well. We want to thank you for joining here today, and we just pray that every one of you is blessed. My name is Pastor Todd, along with my wife, Jan. We're the lead pastors here. And before I dive into <clears throat> our message today, I just want to share a couple things that are going on. First of all, on Monday nights, again, I want to remind everybody about our prayer time. We've been praying, actually, for family. We've been praying for children. We've been praying against some of the things that are going on in our culture with the, the woke agenda. And it has just been a powerful powerful time. And I want to encourage you, if those are things that concern you, those are things that motivate your heart, that you would come and join us on Zoom from 7.30 to 8.30 tomorrow night. And we can just pray because I believe this, and who, that prayer changes things. And when we pray, things are changed. And as well, uh, next week we are going to have our Citizens Action Team is going to be meeting right after the service, and uh, we're, uh, I, I believe this, we're going to actually be focusing on how we can, uh, for people to get involved in this upcoming provincial election. Who here knows that there's a provincial election happening at the end of May? And I believe this is a very consequential and serious election for our province. And so my heart and my belief is that each one of us, God has given us a, a responsibility to be those who are engaged, and one of the ways that we do that is through our voting. And so I'm going to encourage you, you're going to see a lot of us emphasizing, come on, get out there and do this and bring other people with you. Can I hear an amen for that? I know people get nervous about politics, but it's a part of what we get to do and be a part of. And as well, after the service, you'll see that there will be an MLA that's going to be joining for people that just want to talk to them and get some more information. You're going to be able to do that. So anyways... You're going to hear more about this as we go forward because I believe this is important. Amen? All right, here we go. Well, we're going to start our, our message today called Changed by the Blood. Now, how many people do we have here today that are car people? You like your vehicles. You're, it's important to you what you drive. Uh, you, maybe you think about different seasons of your life, not, not based on necessarily what you were doing, but the vehicle that you drove. You know, you, you kind of refer to the years when I, you had the Mustang. I know that my dad used to tell me that he had a, a muscle car, and then I came along, and he didn't have the muscle car anymore. You know, he had to make changes in his life. Um, you know, uh, when I first met Jan, uh, I was driving an Oldsmobile Delta 88. It was my vehicle. It was a monster car. It had a V8 engine, 5.0 liter, so it had power to burn. In fact, if there was just a bit of moisture uh, on the road, you could burn the tires in place without the car moving. Come on. <laughs> that was some fun stuff back in the day. But the problem was it was a bit of a gas guzzler. And as our relationship became more serious, I realized I would need a car that could travel between the United States and Canada. And that was not the car. That was not the one that you wanted for a long distance trip. So I sold my Delta 88 and I bought a more fuel efficient, yeah, 2.5 liter Cutlass Sierra. Mm -hmm. Now, if you don't know what the Cutlass Sierra was, well, in the 80s, there were a lot of cars that were made that we all would like to forget about. They just were not that great. This would be one of them. In fact, this four-cylinder beauty was affectionately known as the Gutless Sierra. 
I remember one trip when we were driving through British Columbia, we were on a two-lane road and I went to pass a semi-truck. And as I was going by the car, my car seemed to slow down. It wasn't speeding up. It was like it was slowing down to the speed of the truck. Who here knows that that is not what you want to happen when you are passing a vehicle with oncoming traffic eventually coming towards you? Well, I believe that day that my wife, Jan, gave her heart to Jesus again. <laughs> so she, I mean, it's, it was a car that was very spiritual. It brought many people closer to God. But it was a dependable car that lasted us for many, many years and to many trips to the States and back. Well, after about 10 years, that car, uh, if you can believe this, began to lose even more power. And we bought a new car. And I remember as we were buying the new car, we had some friends, you know them, Mark and Lisa Honorat, our missionaries to to Haiti. And and so they were starting out and and, and they wanted to do some traveling and, 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 and they were wanting to go visit some Uh, friends and family down in the States, and they didn't have a vehicle. And so they came to me and they said, Pastor Todd, can we borrow your car? I said, which one? They were like, the Cutlass here. I was like, oh, you don't want to take that car? They're like, oh, no, it will not be a problem. We want to take it. We we need something. Can we please use it? And so they begged and pleaded, and I said, all right, well, you kind of know. I don't know if it'll ever make it back. Well, God, rest its soul. It almost made it to Seattle when the engine blew up. (laughs) And as good and as a dependable car as it had been, it was now finished. I want to focus on that. It is finished. As we continue our series, Changed by the Blood, I want to remind you that the reason that we are talking about the blood of Jesus is because I believe that Jesus' blood changed everything forever. And as we learn to apply his blood to our lives, we will grow in our understanding of God and his holiness so that we can carry the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in this day and this age, we need more Jesus followers who are able to understand that they've been forgiven, they've been set free, so that they can walk in the power and the authority that God has given them. So that's where we're gonna talk today. You see, the cross represents defeat for the enemy and victory for us. And as we read John 19, and we're going to go there today, verses 28 to 30, we see that Jesus, being in his last moments before death, uttered three words that changed everything. It is finished. Let's read this in verse 20. Jesus knew, listen to this, I love this word, that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill the scripture, he said, I am thirsty, And a jar of sour wine was sitting there, and so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a high-sop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished, and then bowed his head and gave up his spirit. You see, when Jesus said it was finished, it was more than a declaration. It was more than what happened with my gutless sierra. You see, it was a fulfillment of a legal obligation. We talked about this last week, that the blood of Jesus fulfilled all the payment that was needed for sin for all of history. That Jesus conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave. And as he said these words, it sent a shockwave 
through eternity, but also through the earth. And the Bible says that not only did the sun go dark for about three hours, but that the earth shook, rocks exploded, and even tombs broke open with many holy people coming to life. If you read the the different accounts of, of Jesus' death, you'll see that this happened. For a few moments, it actually felt like the zombie apocalypse was happening on the earth. It was crazy. You see, all these activities happened, why? Because they represented a shift in power. In God's kingdom, we have to understand that everything works by legal authority. The power of God is released by his authority. And so when Jesus died on the cross, the legal authority over the earth was transferred from the enemy, the devil, back to Jesus. He now took authority over that that had been lost when man sinned in the Garden of Eden. You see, when Jesus shed his blood, the legal authority of sin was removed from those who are now covered by the blood of Jesus. Those who not only embraced Jesus' leadership, but applied the blood to their lives. You see, I believe God gave us his blood for an incredible purpose, so that we would be able to walk in freedom and liberty and know that we're forgiven every day. Now, when you think of heaven, I wanna ask you this question, what comes to your mind? Maybe for some here today, it's pearly gates, streets of gold and big mansions. I mean, I'm excited one day to, to go to heaven, just not today, but I'm excited as I think about it, that there's great rewards in, in heaven for those who love God. Maybe for some of you, it's the thought of seeing family and relatives, people that you, you maybe heard about, that great-great-grandparent that everybody talked about that was so awesome, or maybe it's even a closer loved one. You're, you're looking forward to seeing them. Or maybe your picture is the, of, of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation worshiping around the throne of God. Can I say that, that all of those are, are, are great pictures and are fairly accurate thoughts based on what we know from Scripture. But here's what I want to focus on. Because heaven is a kingdom, there is a throne where God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, sits making judgment. And for many centuries and in most kingdoms, the king was both the judge and jury, and his word was held, hold, held both life and death for the people that were in his presence. You see, as God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, his rulership includes listening to cases that are constantly being presented before him. You see, in any court system, you have a prosecuting attorney who brings charges, accusations, usually backed by evidence of some sort against the defendant. You have a defense attorney who protects the rights of the accused while making defenses to refute the charges against them. And then you have a judge, we, we, we know this, who determines what evidence is permissible according to the law, as well as a judgment either for or against the defendant. You see, the judge's responsibility is to determine guilt or innocence. And that's part of what God does. In the 1992 movie, A Few Good Men, a famous movie, we have Tom Cruise plays Lieutenant Daniel Caffey, a military lawyer who's tasked with defending two Marines accused of murdering another soldier. In this famous thriller, Lieutenant Caffey pushes Commander Colonel Nathan Jessup, played by Jack Nicholson, 
for answers about crimes he endorsed in this tense but famous exchange. You probably heard it. You want answers? I think I'm entitled, he says. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Who remembers that movie? Nobody? Okay, you're all kind of... Maybe you're like, man, that was good acting. (laughs) You see, justice demands truth. And in the courtroom of heaven, we have three participants. God, the judge and the jury. Satan, the prosecuting attorney who is known as the accuser of the brethren. Listen to what it says about him in Revelations chapter 12, verse 10. It says, then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren and sisters has been thrown down to the earth, the one who accuses them before God day and night. You see, that's what his job is. That's what the enemy does. That's part of the way that he operates. He goes before God constantly and he talks about you. He talks about me. He says things. He says, do you know the mistakes they've made? The, The things that they haven't done right. They don't deserve to be in your presence. I am the one who should be allowed to control them. But the Bible goes on to say, we know that in the courtroom of heaven, there's also Jesus who's the defense attorney who advocates for those who embraced his forgiveness through the blood. 1 John 2, verses 1 to 2 says this, My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, that's a defense attorney, who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one and only who is truly righteous, He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Hallelujah. That is a wonderful thing, folks. You see, in the throne room of heaven, our mistakes, our deficiencies, our sin is constantly presented to God by Satan, our accuser. Day and night, the Bible says, the enemy comes before God, bringing accusations against all of us. But here's the truth, and we have to understand this. The devil is not wrong. We have all sinned, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, and fallen short of God's glory. That is the truth. That is where things are at. We have all made many mistakes. And if the story stopped there, you and I, we would be doomed for eternity. But here's the truth. Because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We have received a pardon, a pardon from the eternal consequences of sin. We have been pardoned because the blood of Jesus covers everything. The blood of Jesus pays the debt for sin, and not just a little bit of sin, not just for some of our sin. And I know sometimes I hear people, they come to me, and they start talking, and they're like, Pastor Todd, you know, I I just have done so many awful things. I've made so many mistakes in my life. If you only knew my history, if God, there's no way that God can forgive me. And I'm here to tell you today that that is a lie. That is a complete and lie from the pit of hell. Because the blood of Jesus is capable of paying for it all, covering it all taking care of it all. You see, the blood of Jesus pays for the debt of sin for those, listen to this, who are willing to admit their guilt. See, that's the, that's, that, that's, that's the challenge. 
Sometimes people don't want to admit that they're guilty. I remember my first time I ever went to court myself. It was traffic court. It was for speeding. I was about 20 years old. Uh, what I was doing, I was, I was driving 70 miles per hour in a 40 mile per hour zone. <clears throat> Did not see the motorcycle police officer that was sitting in the middle, not on the side. And I probably should have gone to jail or at least had my car impounded. But thankfully, this guy was so, was so kind to me. He wrote me a ticket for just 10 over, which meant my fine at that time went from $350 to $95. And I was told that if I went to court, this is how great this guy was. If I went to court, the judge might even reduce that ticket even more. So the traffic court experience, I want to say, was quite an experience. And actually, I wish I would have bought some popcorn as it was quite a show. <laughs> All 10 of the people whose cases were before mine shared the most incredible stories. I mean, they were incredible stories about why they were innocent. How come they didn't really do what everybody said they, they, they thought they did? And there were tears. There were um, there was outbursts of anger. There was even shameless begging. It was just incredible to watch. However, none of those defendants won their cases, not one. And after maybe a few received some slightly smaller fines, but most were commanded to pay the whole uh, thing right then and there. Well, as I watched this, I was like, hmm, um, what, what, what should I do? Well, when I, it was my turn to come before the judge, I decided to do something different. I pleaded guilty. Why? Because I was. <laughs> In fact, I was really guilty. And I realized that if I probably tried to fight this, that my 50 mile per hour charge was going to go back up to 70 and it would not be good for me. And so the judge, though, was, was, was overwhelmed with my response. In fact, I'll still, it, it is stuck in my mind to this day how he responded. He said to the whole courtroom, did you hear that? He stood up, he's like, I want, did you all in here hear what this man just said? <laughs> He's the only guilty person here today. <laughs> and because he pleaded guilty, I'm going to show all of you how the system works. He says, let me see, your ticket was $95 but now you only need to pay $30. Listen to this. He said this, you saved me time, so I will save you money. <laughs> Here's the reality. We are all guilty of sin, at least at some point in our life. Maybe at some point in our day. That our lives, we've fallen into the trap of sin. And the difference between a follower of Jesus and a person of the world is whether they've been covered or they are covered by the blood, the blood of Jesus. You see, those who have been covered by the blood, the Bible says, are now clothed in righteousness. I'm going to read a few scriptures for, where we get this. Galatians 3.27 says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Who here likes new clothes? I think it's nice. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, 
God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Isaiah 61 verse 10 says, I'm overwhelmed with the joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I'm like a bridegroom, listen to this, dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. You see, when we embrace Jesus' forgiveness, we exchange our filthy rags of sin and gain, gain new clothes, robes of righteousness. If I might say so, as I look at this wonderful audience before me, Jesus' righteousness looks really good on you. It looks good on you. Tell your neighbor, Jesus' righteousness looks good on you. Tell him. See, we have to understand this as we say this, that it's not our righteousness but it's Jesus' righteousness. You see, our best performances, our most selfless actions cannot make us righteous before God. There's, there's nothing that you and I can do except this, humbly accept the gift the blood has given us so that we can be called righteous. And it's meant to be applied to every area of our lives Liberally, see, we're called to apply the blood. I want to give you three things just as we close here. Three ways, places that we need to apply the blood to us. First of all, we know this, it's to remove sin. We've been talking about this. We're going to continue to emphasize this. Why? Because I believe God wants us to understand that we, the blood is the cure-all for sin. God throws our sin, it says in the Bible, as far as the east is from the west and remembers it no more. Once your sin is forgiven... In God's mind, it's forgotten. I'm going to say that again because I think we need to let that sink into us. Once our sin has been forgiven, it's forgotten in heaven. But why do we struggle ourselves sometimes? Why do we struggle to forget? Because this is what the second thing the blood does is it crushes accusations. We struggle to forget because we have an accuser that still likes to remind us of our mistakes. There's two people that usually have a problem with this. The accuser reminds us, and sometimes we remind ourselves. I mean, I, I, I've had this discussion with my kids multiple times here recently, just about, man, I did, I made this mistake, Dad, and I just, I just, like, uh, I wish I didn't do it, and I can't forget. And I'm like, it's because you won't let go of it. So how do we get control it, we apply the blood. How do we remove it? We apply the blood. We crush the accusations through the blood. One way the enemy gains power through people's lives is the entry point of accusation. Even though God forgives our sin, the moment we ask him to, the enemy tries to remind us. I've seen many people struggle with guilt and condemnation because they do not realize that they are righteous and that they are covered by the blood. But because of the blood, we no longer have guilt, shame, and condemnation. Romans 8.1. So now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The way that you deal with accusations is you keep bringing up the blood of Jesus. You see, the blood of Jesus defeats every lie and accusation of the enemy. 
It's God's gift to you. It's God's grace to you. It's what God establishes you with. It's through his blood. When he reminds you of your past, again, smack him with the blood. You just keep throwing it back in his face. When I was in youth, we used to have the saying, when the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. (laughs) Oh, come on. Some of you, you got to get a little bit of swagger. I see too many people that say, you know what? I'm a believer in Jesus and they're walking around. Oh, I'm so bad, and God, this is so bad, and this is, oh, I just feel so bad and bad. bad. Come on. Take the blood. Live in the blood. Hmm. And this is my last point of this. Could have a whole lot more. The blood, we apply the blood to defeat death, and this is what I'm talking about. Because I'm covered by the blood, death no longer has a hold on me. Destruction no longer has a hold on me. Depression no longer has a hold on me. Negativity no longer has a hold on me. Guilt and shame no longer have a hold on me. Frustration, defeat no longer have a hold on me. You see, because I am free to live so I can fulfill now my God-ordained destiny. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. And because the blood of Jesus has cleansed me and set me free, it's not just for now, but it's for all eternity, folks. It's for all eternity. You see, even though one day we will die in our flesh, we can live fully alive in Christ. You see, you can be fully alive no matter what's around you, what's surrounding you no matter what's going on in your life. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. You see, back to the courtroom of heaven, as the devil brings accusations against us, the followers of God, Jesus has one defense, one response. He or she is covered by the blood. According to the song, nothing but the blood of Jesus. We, we, we played it, we talked about it last week. It's, the, it's behind the, our, 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 our bumper video. It says, our one defense, his righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Doesn't matter what accusations come, here's Jesus. Satan's coming and he says, I see the lie you told, Jesus. Objection, covered by the blood. God sustained I know that movie you watched the other day. Objection, covered by the blood, sustained. I know the words that you said that you, you, you are really disappointed in and you've, you asked me to forgive you. Objection, covered by the blood. I know those immoral relationships you had. Objection, covered by the blood. You see, it's not, we're not covered so that we have the freedom to just sin and live in sin. That's not what the grace of God is all about. That's not what the blood of Jesus is for. But when we make those mistakes and we come with our heart to God and we say, God, I need you to forgive me. God, I I need your forgiveness in my life. The blood of Jesus covers us and it completely, completely redeems us and set us free. You see, once you surrender 
your life to Jesus, all God sees is the blood. You walk by him and he's like, you're like, man, I feel so guilty about this God. And he goes, oh, those robes of righteousness sure look good. Once you confess your sins, all God sees is the blood. Hebrews 4, 16 says this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. You see, you can, you can go to God. You can run to God. You can walk with God. Why? Because the blood of Jesus covers everything. You see, today I believe as I'm sharing this, there's somebody that is out here that's listening today, whether you're online or you're in this audience, you needed to hear and you needed to be reminded that you've been forgiven. I believe there's some of you here that are under the constant accusation. The enemy just has been attacking you. And you're like, I just can't seem to get free from this stuff. What do I do? First of all, tell him he's a liar. And then say, God, I'm covered by the blood. I'm covered by the blood. Today, you're being given a passport to freedom, the blood of Jesus. Apply the blood of Jesus. Apply the blood of Jesus. Apply it to your mind. Apply it to your thoughts. You see, right now, even by the power of God, I bind up the lies of the enemy over you, his people. Father God, I pray for those today that are, have been facing harassment, discouragement. Lord, those who are, who are walking, who are, who are, Lord, have made decisions to say, God, I'm pursuing you, I'm pursuing righteousness. Father God, I pray, Father God, that your grace would come over them today. Praise the Lord. Be free in the name of the Lord by the blood of Jesus.